We are lucky to be doing the Cheryl Reeve show today live at the Target Center in the uh, cool radio booth up on the Skyway level. Cheryl, of course, is here along with our producer, Brandon Morton. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune, and this is part of TalkNorth.com. I got to tell you, this week has been a blast. And after talking to Don Staley a few times and talking to Gino a few more times and, of course, more conversations with you, I'm just imagining what those team meetings were like. Team USA, you, Don, and Gino in the same room. My God, do we have tapes. <laughs> it was good. I mean, you know, it's what you'd expect. And I, I think, the, you know, one of the, the, the fun things about USA basketball is to have a bunch of head coaches involved. Um, and... There are so many different ways to be successful, and that's that's what those moments are about. You know, there's different personalities of how you go about things. You know, there's different details that uh, maybe maybe one coach stresses over another, and and once you hang around them, you start to kind of go, okay, that's their identity. That's that's the big thing is like these guys have identities. Uh, hopefully, our team, our USA basketball team, will have an identity that you go, okay, that's a Cheryl Reeve coach team. You know, certainly with Dawn and, and Gino, and you pick up things from each other. And because uh, we always say that that what you did last year is not going to be good enough for this year, so you're always trying to add something. Uh, but yeah, those those were those are some fun conversations, and certainly a lot of reminiscing uh, that happens as Dawn was an Olympic athlete and Gino was an assistant coach, and uh, you know, just for me, just you know, a, a lot of fun to to try to soak up all the knowledge. It's really cool too. I mean, Gino, Team USA, head coach. Hands it off to Don. Don hands it off to you. You're, and you have Team USA here this week uh, working out. It, it It's really added to the week. I mean, the Final Four would be great all by itself, but to have these many, all these extra great players, the great greatest players in the world, the greatest players in the WNBA, along with the Final Four, has really, to me, filled out the week. I agree. Um, and, and we had a, a great time at Tourneytown today. I think it was one of the main attractions for Tourneytown uh, to, to have the national team over there playing a, a practice and you know, standing room only, uh, you know, bleachers were filled and a couple of rows of people around the court and just kind of looking and going, holy cow, this is really cool. This is here in our community. And uh, so I was proud to show off uh, not only the national team, we, we worked hard for three days over at our practice facility, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, had some really good practices. And, you know, you have some players that are trying to make the team. Uh, so, you know, I thought we had some really quality time together and then obviously culminated in a, in an open scrimmage here today. So, um, you know, those things were good. And, and, uh, I've said this, uh, I'm super proud. I mean, we're, the Minnesota Lynx are a big reason why, uh, the women's final four is here in Minneapolis and, you know, the way that we support, uh, our team and, 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 uh, we have come out exactly as I knew we would come out as a community, um, and, you know, the, the great city that we are and, and have put on a great show. Now, this has been an incredible uh, few days with, with all, all that's happened. And we've been running everywhere. We, we've had a lot going on, but, man, it's been so much fun. And the game's uh, Friday night. We're talking here on Saturday afternoon, uh, getting ready to watch the final tomorrow night. Star Tribune's covering the heck out of it, which I'm, I'm happy about. And, you know, as a writer, you don't cheer for teams, but sometimes you do cheer for stories. Sure. And UConn? Go, trying to go 12 and 0 in finals against with Paige Beckers in Target Center, where she, you know, used to idolize Lindsey Whalen, going up against Don Staley, uh, you know, the reigning Olympic champion, number one team in the country, a great program. I mean, I national just, player of the year, national player of the year. Yeah. Leah Boston's fantastic. Yep. Uh, I'm very happy to see this matchup. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that there were. 
you know, um, certainly a, a, you know, if Stanford had won the game. Yeah, um, it would still be good. Still, yeah, but, but no question here in Minnesota that, that Paige Beckers is going to be uh, on the court competing for a championship in front of 18,000 people. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you all that you got some, got some great storylines. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, the players have come through on their end as far as making this a tremendous Final Four. I'll also admit we're sitting press row on Friday night and Paige gets up and starts limping. And, and I will admit, it, we all went, oh, God, no. Oh, no. No, that can't happen. You and all, all the UConn faithful. <laughs> all the UConn faithful. And all, every here from Hopkins. And yeah. uh, I know Chip's working on a really cool story for Sunday about uh, about Paige and, uh, you know, you know jail, her relationship with Jalen Stuggs. He's got some great anecdotes we're going to share about Paige. We've been covering her a lot. Uh, but I want to go back to Gino and Don. Uh, they've been really funny and interesting talking about their Philly influence. Yeah. And of course you, you know, you're from South Jersey, which is basically Philly. It's a, it's the tri-state area. It's kind of the same culture. And and they've said some funny things about it, but they've also said some very serious things about it. You know, Gino talked about, "Hey, we have an inferiority complex. You know, we we know we're not New York, so we have to fight to be more like New York. And we think we know everything and and you know, Don was saying that, you know, it 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 is a a town that's very tough on it's sports heroes, Absolutely. you know, and will is really tough on oppose, opponents and bad teams in Philly, but it's even tough on its own champions. So what's your perspective on the Philly tough angle? You know, I don't have the same perspective as them. Uh, they, they were lifelong, right. uh, you know, and I was more uh, a transplant, if you will, and that my dad was in the Air Force, and we didn't move there until I was a high schooler. When I was a high schooler, I was uh, really into the Philadelphia 76ers, and so I only know, uh, you know, kind of uh, cheering on our teams, and I was, I'm not a part of the, uh, you know, ones that are critical uh, so much of. You know, I was the Bobby Jones area, Mike Jaminski, Andrew Tony, Mo Cheeks, um, and, and just loved, you know, Charles Barkley. Um, just, just love supporting. And, and, uh, and then I became, you know, an Eagles fan. Uh, now I was Vikings fans first. I always talk about that as a young kid with Chuck Foreman, but then I became uh, obviously a diehard Eagles fan, particularly during, um, Donovan McNabb's years and, and obviously Andy Reid. So, um, you know, my perspective, I, I don't, I'm not as much into the cheesesteaks and all the things that Philly's known for. Uh, I think for me, it's really, um, when I think about Philly, I just think about tough and blue collar. And I think about Dawn Staley, uh, you know, who's, uh, you know, uh, North Broad, you know, Philly, like through and through and, uh, and having a chance to coach her. And, and when you're around her, you go, Philly, <laughs> that's Philly. Uh, and so, and I also think, you know, when I was in the Midwest coaching, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I was kind of labeled, oh, uh, you're, you're from Philly. And what, you know, that negative connotation, you know, like we're, we're a little bit, you know, a little bit short, a little bit terse, maybe like you want to kind of, but I think, I don't know, I don't know if that just comes with a personality, but I think we probably might all three have a little bit of that. Um, all three of us are very different in our personalities and the way we go about things. Extreme, Gino and Don could not be more different, um, you know, though they're from that, that same area. But uh, what we have in common is, is our love for, for our Philly teams and our Philly-ness. And by the way, you know, like my first year covering pro sports, I saw Philly fans throw ice balls at Jimmy Johnson's head. Yeah. And I knew uh, someone who worked in Eagles PR, and he told me a great story about locking up Santa on Christmas <laughs> That's Eve. Right. Uh, so, it, you know, Philly has some great old story and booing Santa Claus. We always hear the booing Santa Claus story. But, of course, those are cliches. Those are, I mean, you know, when you listen to Don Staley talk, I mean, I just couldn't be more impressed. She, yeah, she, she's the best of Philly. Yeah. she's the, yeah. Uh, You know, that, you know, had to kind of, 
you know, persevere through quite a bit and, and overcome challenges and never want anything handed to her. You know, worked for every single thing, every penny uh, that she makes today, she she worked for, earned it. Um, you know, I think about when the, when the Vikings uh, hosted the the uh, the Super Bowl that the Philly was in. I remember quite a few stories about Philly fans being here. And oh yeah, you uh, have to grease the the light pole so they can't <laughs> climb up and break the lights. Yeah, but I don't think that's just Philly. <laughs> it's just <laughs> what you do. It's a hobby. Yeah, it's, yeah, a sport. it's the strangest thing ever. It's like an destroy sport. a city, yeah. you just won. But yeah, but. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, there, there's, you know, there, there's, there's a bad rap there. <laughs> As I said, this is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Uh, we recommend following us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see the shows as they are released and our live show schedule. Uh, to listen, best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. We've got a great sports lineup uh, starring Cheryl at the top of the list. Great outdoor content, variety content, and we appreciate you listening. Thank you to our sponsors, Rudy Luther Toyota, my realtor, Cara Quinn, successful marketing group, all Energy Solar, and TSR Injury Law. You, you said that you know you and Gino and Don are obviously all very different people, and you said there are certain things that kind of identify each coach. How would you describe you know, what works for Gino and what works for Don? Well, I think uh, right off the bat, communication, communication style. Um, and it might be a little bit uh, generational as well. Um, in that uh, Gino, you know, and I think I'm probably a little closer um, to the Gino communication. You know, there's a little more sarcasm uh, intended to be humor, you know, type of thing. Dawn's a, a, you know, an effective communicator in a connecting kind of a way, and probably because she's younger and is able to connect uh, a little bit better with with uh, younger players in different in a different way, uh, a little more hip. You know, a little more social media savvy, you know that sort of thing. And and uh, but I think in terms of their their you know their actual coaching styles, um, you know they value the things that win games as every top coach does. And um, the the root of you know believe it or not, you know Dawn's teams talked a lot about for their defense, and their their defense has been incredible. Um, and I don't think and I always said this: Geno's teams are always known for their offense, but I don't think that UConn teams have ever been given the credit that they're due for their defense. They're always, I always say this, it's a combination of offense and defense that wins you championships. You can't have just defense. You can't have just offense. Uh, and and uh, I think Gina Oriema's teams are defined by just that, you know, a little bit more uh, understated on the defensive side, but very, very effective. They do it differently. Um, they're not going to be ball pressure oriented. They're going to be a little more personnel. Uh, hey, if somebody can't shoot, don't guard them. Uh, you know, like it's just very, you know, a little bit more uh, off off the ball, a little more in passing lanes, a little bit more, uh, you know, a shot selection type of defense. Uh, South Carolina is going to be very physical, very long, and going to make it very difficult for you to do anything. Um, they're going to be out in the, in the in the passing lanes, and so very pressure oriented. Uh, and so what I love about it is there's there's it's two different ways of doing it, and they're they're both excellent at what they do, uh, and that's what's going to be on on display for tomorrow's game. And um, I. I was watching the South Carolina game closely in terms of the offense, and I know Dawn's teams very well, uh, and I know you know their their offensive schemes. We've been watching them all season long, and it was at the SEC tournament. Dawn did an excellent job uh, in the uh, the week. Uh, it seemed that they had between the time that they played and 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 uh, or they last played it in this this game. Uh, she added a few um, uh, offensive sets that I thought were very very effective against Louisville. Uh, so Dawn needs a tremendous credit because I thought, I'll tell you what, that, you know, everyone likes to say that, you know, well, South Carolina's offense, that's been the narrative. South Carolina's offense. 
Um, but uh, you know that that may be true. When you shoot thirty five percent, you're probably you know, you know worthy of the of the criticism. Uh, but now we need to say that offensive display last night uh, was was I mean just I, I thought top notch, and I thought it was necessary uh, for her to get there. Now, and they have to do it again tomorrow. Uh, you know, and that's a rematch. I was at the game in the Bahamas, the the UConn South Carolina game. So I'm really interested to see now. This will be the final game of the season, and um, just how both teams have evolved and see what the strategies are going to be there. But uh, the great news is tomorrow, Philly's going to win. Philly's going to win. That is true. And, and the good thing is that nobody from Philly would ever brag about winning. So it'll be a very <laughs> quiet victory. <laughs> yeah, very, very yes. quiet. <laughs> you won't read anything at all no, about not that. not at all. Uh, it's, and I also love the fact that uh, the last two players of the year are in this game. And obviously, I think Boston will have a very favorable matchup inside. I, I think the fast, most fascinating part of the game will be Beckers against very long, athletic, active, you know, exterior defense. Yeah. You know, and Boston will be, you know, there's no question about it. But I can tell you this. Uh, the players not named Boston are going to have to rise to the occasion right. because UConn is going to sit in the lap of Aaliyah Boston. And there's not going to be anything easy. And they're going to dare everyone else, not namely of Boston, to shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. I guarantee that. Now, that's not new. That's right. what most, most, most strategies are uh, when you play uh, you know, against a great player, anybody but that player. But UConn will be very good at executing that. I think they each learn things in the Bahamas when they played each other. And, and uh, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Paige, I think you should fully expect as you, as you watch Haley Van Lith uh, you know, struggle against uh, Beal, you know, Bria Beal, that um, South Carolina's defense is legit. And so everything is going to be difficult. Paige is going to be very uncomfortable tomorrow. Yep. Uh, and so that, that's going to be fun. So just like any time you win a championship, you don't often win it because your, your, your best player scores 30. You know, they're not going to score 30 because the other team's not going to let them score 30. It's the other players. So somebody, that's going to be the fun of tomorrow. Somebody's going to rise up and it's going to be sort of somebody we didn't expect uh, and have a big game. And that's going to be the team that's going to win. I want to thank our sponsors who make the Cheryl Reeve Show possible. Let's start with Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Also want to thank my realtor, Cara Quinn. We're still slugging it out, trying to get our house deal put together, and we're in constant communication with Cara, and thank God for that. Uh, She's been a godsend. I just, uh, you know, I've worked with other realtors in the past. I'm old. I've been lived in different houses. She's the only person I've just, like, been comfortable just texting and and my wife texts her, and she just always responds anytime, day or night. She's fantastic. She's probably sick of me, but that's, you know, a common thing. Uh, so <laughs> CaraQuinnRealtor.com, Vibe Realty, 
Just Google Cara Quinn, C-A-R-A-Q-U-I-N-N. You will end up with a great realtor who knows this market like nobody else. Uh, thanks to our friend Lori Ramsey from Successful Marketing Group. She always puts on the winter wear drive that we uh, we work with and does a great job at successful, SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com, especially if you're a medium or a smaller business who wants really personal service. And as far as all energy solar, uh, do high utility bills have you seeing red? See green instead with solar power and net metering. With net metering, extra energy generated by your solar panels is sent back to the energy grid in exchange for credit on your electricity bill. Those credits pay for your energy use on days when solar production is low or your electricity use is high. If you want to learn more about that, go to allenergysolar.com. And TSR Injury Law, sponsoring everything across the platform, it feels like. Uh, Steve Terry's a friend, and we appreciate him sponsoring this show. 612-TSR-TIME is all you need to know if you're injured. 612-TSR-TIME. You will never pay unless they win your case. Uh, so when you look at this Final Four, we see, obviously, they are great players. They wouldn't be here without great players. And I was watching the games Friday night and thinking, okay, how many of these players, as great as they are, can even make it on the WNBA rosters? I mean, 12, 12 NBA teams with limited rosters, it feels like there are some great players who, in a big league, would have their own team, and they might yeah. not even get minutes in the WNBA. Facts. Yeah. You know, and that's, that, that's a challenge, you know, for... Uh, players that are being drafted, you know, this year uh, that, that were drafted last year, um, unless you are, you know, Aaliyah Boston or Paige Beckers, um, the, the life is a little bit more difficult in terms of not only making a team, but then carving out, um, you know, minutes for that team. And that's just something that I think college players are just not ready for. Um, see, the thing is, when you get to the WNBA and you you get drafted to a team and you're on there and you're not playing minutes, guess what? There's no transfer portal for you. Uh, so, And that makes it even harder for them because we're teaching them the wrong things as transfer portal stuff. And so then when you get to the WNBA and, and you look around and you go, okay, I can't blame anybody, or maybe I can and I will, but uh, what are you going to do? You know, And so you got to figure it out, just like you hope that they would do in college. Just like my, my family told me when I called home and said, you know, Jesus is not going well. You know, my dad told me, you're obviously not doing something right. Go figure out what it is. And, then, and he was exactly right and said, get back out there. You know, we don't do that these days. And, and uh, you know, and as a result, it will be very difficult for players that are, again, not the generational player uh, because we don't have, yeah, at the current time, we have 12 teams. Um, and, you know, we say 144, but we've got less than 144 players because most of our teams are only going to carry 11 players. Uh, so it is difficult. Uh, look at the rosters right now. Um, you know, it, it, it would be hard. <laughs> A lot of the teams are already set before the draft even happens. So you're going to have competition. You know how you handle those things, and uh, this is a you know, this is draft with some good players, um, not generational players, and so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, and uh, you know who ends up rising up and, and being able to you know carve out some space for themselves on a WNBA team this year. And of course, you have the eighth pick in the draft. The draft is April 11th. Unfortunately, I'm going to be on the road. I won't be able to cover it live, but I'll be certainly writing about it in the future. Uh, at this point, do you have a feel for who you might get, or is it still a mystery? Oh, it's still a mystery. Um, you know, there, again, because there isn't necessarily a defined. Uh, we, we might know who the top, you know, for sure top three, uh, in some order. Uh, then you always go your next grouping, and then we're in the third grouping, honestly. So um, it is very hard to tell, you know, because it gets very subjective in these types of drafts, and so um, you sort of got to plan for. You know, we have our target where we go. Okay, 
you know, if one of these three players is there, great. Uh, you have to have your plan B in case they're not. But you're probably not much deeper than that. Uh, and then we also have the number 13 pick, uh, which is basically having a first-round pick. Uh, and so, you know, same thing. It's hard to project what's above you. Uh, but those those meetings are going to be happening this coming week after we close this Final Four and, and, and get ready for that draft. And then we start training camp just a week later. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. Um, you have a really good roster. You have the 8th and the 13th. Do you look at it as, okay, maybe we need to try to move up to get somebody who has a better chance of making it? Do you draft for depth? What's, what's your philosophy? And I know you can't really tell me, but yeah. I'm kind of talking philosophically. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're, we're open, as, as we've said, all season, or all offseason, we have been open to um, moving our pick, you know, moving up, um, packaging players with picks, that sort of thing. All the same things you go through every offseason. You consider everything to improve your team. Um, and, and I think for us, you know, free agency and signing Angel McCautry, um, we have we have some returning players that we're excited about. It's it's one of those things that uh, you take the draft and you go, you know, put the the best possible roster together. We're gonna have a very competitive training camp, very competitive, and there there might be some surprises of who doesn't make the team. Um, I hope to get surprised by you know maybe a draft pick or two, and uh, and, it, and we'll we'll try to figure it out from there. But uh, we're going to be pretty active. It's going to be a busy training camp from a general managing standpoint, uh, because around the league there's that level of competition, except for maybe a couple of places that there could be some fallout uh, that you don't know just yet that you've got to be ready to take advantage of. I kind of buried the lead, Lindsey Whalen. Has, uh, is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, um, Lou Hudson, also a gopher, another good, game, good name. Gino talked a lot about Swin Cash. There are other great names on the list, but Lindsey Whalen is the name for us to talk about. That's right. First ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. I, um, when, I, when I talked with Lindsey, when she shared the news um, a couple mornings ago, uh, I, I let out a few audible, uh, you know, yells of just absolute joy and just thrilled for her, and you know, I told her this is this is exactly how we drew it up when you came here. <laughs> this is what we said was going to happen, uh, you know. But but certainly, her her time as a you know a, a high schooler, you know, here in Minnesota, what she did for Gopher basketball, um, and and how she changed women's basketball in the state of Minnesota, uh, and then you know her her career at Connecticut where she was drafted, uh, where she's in the finals a few times and, and and does great things, and then she comes to Minnesota and has even more. I remember when we when we traded for Lindsay, there was concern that oh it was too late for us to have Lindsay Whalen and that you know her best years were behind her. Uh, boy did but she proved them wrong and and uh, you know she went on to win four championships with the Minnesota Lynx and um, just surreal for me as a coach. You know she she's she's so gracious and so thankful and so uh, you know, for her. Now, when you are a young person, in general, I don't necessarily know that young people walk around going, I want to be in the Hall of Fame, so how do I do that, right? So it's not something that you ever necessarily, the great ones aren't striving to do that. They're striving to, in Lindsey Whalen's case, um, every day, Lindsey Whalen didn't always necessarily think she was good enough. So she always knew there was something else she wanted to add uh, to be even better to help her team. I remember when we were at USA Basketball, we were we were at a, a camp. Uh, we were at the uh, Naval Academy out in Annapolis, and and uh, one of our first couple practices, and she didn't feel that she necessarily played all that well, and neither did really anybody else. It was like our first day together, and and she came over and and she was like distraught, and she's like, "I'm not going to make this team. You know, I was I'm awful. I'm not going to make this team," and I I thought she was kidding. And uh, so I, but I had to take her seriously and I got to kind of pick her up and dust her off a little bit. And 
sat her down and showed her the depth chart and told her that she was just fine, that she was going to be the reason why we had a chance to win a gold medal. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, you know, Lindsay was like that throughout her career with us in, in Minnesota and um, just always wanting to get better. And, and I told her, that's, you know, like just putting your head down and working. And, and that's how you become a Hall of Famer. And, and like I said, just, just like we drew it up and I couldn't be more thrilled, uh, for Lindsay could not be more thrilled. It's an incredible, I can't imagine the feeling of getting that call and I'm just super happy for her. I asked Dawn Staley about, uh, Lindsay and she said that Lindsay was her favorite point guard. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know if she meant favorite she's ever played, but, but it, that was their first reaction she, that Lindsay was her favorite part. Point she guard. means that. Yeah. And she's talking about, you know. The uh, desire to learn, the coachability, the intelligence, the wanting to understand why you're doing everything you're doing. And then somebody else asked Gino about her, and he said that, uh, hey, four-time champion, all-star, and she was thrilled to come off the bench and help us win gold medals. Yeah. Dawn really appreciated uh, Lindsay's physical toughness, physical and mental toughness, which is what Dawn possessed when she played, and obviously very different players, but... You, there's no way you don't appreciate Lindsay Whalen's, you know, I always say like the hockey player playing basketball. You know, she just had a physical toughness that Dawn, you know, she just like just marveled at. She'd look at me and laugh. I'm like, I know that's my that's my player. You know, it's fun to have that. And, um, you know, the um, Lindsay with Dawn and, and Dawn was or Lindsay was always somebody that recognized what she had around her as far as people and players. And and so she would pick their brains and. You know what was it like for you, or she'd ask me about Dawn, and and uh, yeah, I mean we're all we're all super proud to have had a hand in this. What I found interesting about Lindsay was, you know, I started covering her as a freshman at the U. I didn't really, I never saw her play in high school, and you know, there were a couple of years there where when they played a not great team, Lindsay could just sprint dribble past everybody yeah. and get a layup anytime she wanted. And, you know, she made the game look really easy. And then you look at later in her career with the Lynx, and it was, no, I'm going to go in. We need a bucket. I'm going to go in the lane. I'm going to bounce off three people and spin (laughs) one in and get the three-point play. I mean, she really did transform her game. She did. Yeah, she really did. And, you know, Lindsay Whalen, things that you'll remember her for as a player, uh, she had uh, something that you don't find very often. And I, I I can't think of any player in the WNBA today that can finish at the rim uh, at, from a guard standpoint, that can finish at the rim the way she could finish. Uh, she was very, very dependable, so high, highly efficient in that area. Uh, and then I remember, uh, and Lindsay, if you remember, she'd fall to the ground. Yes. You know, and, and so when she got a little bit older and it was getting a little bit harder to, to crash to the ground because it took longer to get up, <laughs> it was hurting our transition defense a little bit. So, you know, we started having those conversations and it took a lot of energy out of her because you, you crashed to the floor you know, when she got older, she was getting fewer and fewer calls. Uh, she'd crash to the floor, and you know, and then you have to get up, and you got to use that, all the energy to run back uh, on defense. And so we kind of had a moment. We said, "Okay, now look." You know how they <laughs> talked about like when Michael Jordan got to be a certain age, and we so we kind of said, "Okay, we're not going to do that anymore." And she's like, "God damn, coach, you're right." You know, like <laughs> and it hurts now, and it, you know, it takes days to recover, and and uh, and so we and and then I said, "Your pull up is your your pull up is money in the bank." Uh, and so Lindsay was just always willing to do do whatever, um, you know, just a tremendous teammate, witty. Um, when Way was at her finest, you know, she was a combination of um, kind of 
you know, that, that look, that, you know, kind of terse, sarcastic, looking at our practice guys, you know, in a way like she's disgusted with them and then turn around and laughing with her teammates. And just she just had this way, you know, like where you were you wanted to be on for her because you knew you, did, you didn't want, you know, that look from way or, you know, or that comment from way. Um, and, uh, you know, people just have fun with her. And uh, I'm happy that, uh, you know, as a uh, what, what she did here with the Minnesota Lynx um, helped uh, propel her to be a Hall of Famer. At both Final Fours, the transfer portal has become a big topic. Gino's talking about the other day saying he doesn't care if somebody leaves. So I've never had anybody leave and go, like, beat me or anything like that. Uh, we don't have to get deep into it because today should be a day we talk about Lindsay in the Hall of Fame. But do you have any thoughts on the transfer portal and what's going on with Lindsay? Yeah, I'm just glad I'm not coaching in college. <laughs> um, well, because you can't hold people accountable. You know, and that's that's the unfortunate part of this this generation, or maybe even, um, you know, maybe a little before that. You know, we always think that the generation behind us, you know, just doesn't get it, sort of thing, right? That's a natural thing, uh, that's been going on for a long time. But um, it, there's just something about uh, the NCAA that's gone terribly awry. I think the the leadership is. Um, I, I just think that the, that the, the college game has been ruined uh, on a number of levels, and uh, the transfer portal is one of them. Um, that being said, I do understand um, there are times, you know, I think, and Gino said this as well, that that it does make sense, and and you know what, and coaches can leave, um, and so as long as coaches can leave and they're getting paid, and you know, like they're thinking about themselves, and you certainly, you know, there's a right for uh, a player to do that, but I think it's more. You know, it's disappointing for me, and I, I've always said that, you know, as somebody that was going to be drafting players, give me a player that's loyal. And I want somebody that's not been in the transfer portal because it says a lot. Renaya Davis is one of those players when there was a coaching change or I'm, I'm certain that there was a time or two that a coach told her that she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do. Um, and so I think it says a lot about you, um, you know, that, that when things get tough, you're going to leave. And so I just, I mean, I just don't like what we're teaching players. And I think parents are a part of the problem. Uh, I would say it to the parents if they were all out here in front of me that um, you have to do, um, you, you have to teach them that life isn't easy. Life isn't fair. Guess what? Somebody might be better than you. And that's okay. Everyone's got a role in all of this. And, and so, um, it, you know, I, I, obviously, I don't like the transfer portal. Um, and like I said, when they get to the WNBA and I tell them, you know, that they're not quite good enough or they need to do something differently, where are they, what are they going to do then? You know, there, there's no transfer portal for them to, you can come in and ask me to trade. And I said, no, get back out there. You're going to stay with us until I think I don't want you. Not until you think you don't want to do this. So it, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a tough time to be a college coach. Matter of fact, I'm here with a lot of college coaches and, and that's, that's quite a bit of a buzz. Yeah. Um, you know, every day and get this. Sometimes you don't even know if your player your player didn't come to you to tell you this. Right. Players just go to an AD, and they don't have to tell a coach. You know, I mean, I want to know. I want. I think there should be a list of players, a list of ones that went into their coaches or, and and had discussions, right? And then they came to an agreement that maybe it wasn't going to work. I want a list of those, and I want a list of the ones that didn't talk to their coach and just jumped in a portal. That that way, I can make my decision. <laughs> <laughs> my guess is you can probably figure that. Information out if you really needed to. You're you're a good reporter. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, my show this week blocked and muted. My guest was Alexa Philippou from uh, ESPN. She's cover uh, UConn basketball and Connecticut Sun. Now she's basically doing the same stuff for ESPN. She does a great job. Had a good conversation with her about Paige and Gino and the women's game. I see that Sylvia Fowles is in town. Still is in town. Yeah. Weird to not have her on the practice floor with you. 
Uh, very much so. I, I told her, you know, I, I just, I never, never thought I'd be doing it without her. Um, uh, but, you know, certainly happy for her, you know, that she feels like this is the time. And um, yeah, so we've got Syl in town. Um, uh, we had Ariel Powers and Angel McCautry in the yep. camp. And we have Natalie Achanwa here. Um, you know, I feel like we have, we have, feel like we have more than that. I feel bad if I'm missing people. Obviously, Nafisa Collier's in town. Um, Rachel Bannum, I'm Ra- sure. Yeah, Rachel lives here. So Rachel's, Rachel's in town. And uh, I think tonight we're going to have a chance to see Renaya Davis. Her flight got delayed. She's coming back from Israel. Uh, so a lot, lot, of, lot of links representation this week, and uh, it's particularly exciting because that means we're getting really, really close to you know, starting our training camp. Yes. Uh, wanna, we're going to give Cheryl a chance to give us a final thought here. Once again, thank you to All Energy Solar, TSR Injury Law, Rudy Luther, Rudy Luther Toyota, Cara Quinn, CaraQuinnRealtor.com, and SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com. So wrap it up for us. What, what or you, you know, great thing about this is you can go any direction you want. We can. What's going through your head? We can. Well, I mean, I had a chance to do some, um, you know, uh, speaking and in, in, in with coaches and everything, and um, you know, we're kind of continuation of the portal, and um, you know, some of the things that I get that I, that I'm asked about is. Um, what what makes the championship culture? What is it about it? What are the and I always talk about an identity, you know, and what what it is that you you have to have um, what we call our non negotiables, and we talk about being selfless. There there are some things that you say to people uh, a work ethic, and they all nod their head. You're like, yep, yep. Uh, you got to be selfless. You got to care about your teammates first. You know, you can't care about your own stats. Uh, you have to care about the team. And they go, yep, yep. And they have these, you know, yep, of course, yep. And it's all really obvious to them. But guess what? Then when they go out there and they recruit or select people that you hire, you those things that you had checked that you want your – and so in, in general, um, I say the single most important thing we do is select people uh, to what we're doing, uh, whether it's our team, whether it's our organization. Uh, and I think that uh, just reminding people that you can't change people um, they are who they are, and and you know, can you can you help somebody grow a little bit and move the needle, perhaps? Um, but the work ethic, the passion, the selflessness has to be at the core if you want to be successful, if you want to have a championship culture. And I, and I always say, you think you can change them, and you make the mistake of going, well, I'm going to try to see. And I said, facts, you will be calling me back and going, darn it, I made a mistake. And without fail. And so if you've relent on your core values, you're, you're going to pay the price. And, and you know, as I've told many, many coaches, um, you know, you got to stick to that and, and make that your, your core values. And, and you know, you're, you're going to be much happier as a coach because we deserve quality of life, you know, as coaches. And, and doing it with good people who care about each other is the path. And, and uh, I hope many, many coaches get to experience that. A lot of things we didn't get to today, we will get to in future uh, episodes. I want to talk about, you know, equity in the game, the uh, how the Final Four came off, the fact that a lot of media came out to cover it. Uh, it looks like ESPN's, ESPN and the NCAA are going to make a lot of money on this tournament. We're going to save bargain. those. We're a bargain. Oh, absolutely a bargain. No question about it. And guess what? Now ESPN's doing simulcasts. That's right. And extra, you know, and bring in now they have Tarasi and Bird, you know. On That's there. right. I mean, and Gino had a great quote about that the other day. They said, I, no way in hell I'm going to listen to that. I've been listening to that crap for 20 years. <laughs> That's uh, right. Just great stuff. But, you know, listen, everything, it, it, as the we always talk about. Men's tournament, billion dollars. Yep. Right? And guess what? The women's tournament is selling out. That's right. Uh, the building. They sold out all the ads on ESPN, and media is starting to cover it more. And I, it was funny. I was talking to Ann Killian from uh, San Francisco Chronicle. She's here covering Stanford. And we were talking about it because uh, the media area here, which is the Lexus Club, 
is absolutely jam-packed. Now, it's a little bit less today because a lot of people who cover Stanford and Louisville, you know, got called home after their team lost. But, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just absolutely jam-packed. And I was joking with Anna. I was like, yeah, who could have known we're all going to be here? And she said, no, I actually think the NCAA didn't think that many people would be here. And she she said two really interesting things. She said, number one, um, a lot of media outlets wrote about all the controversies from last year, the inequities, the yeah. no, no good workout rooms, the difference in the swag bags, all that. And she said, you know, every editor who ran stories on that, how could they then turn around and say, but we're not going to cover it That's or we right. don't care about it? That's know? right. And the other thing is that during the pandemic, all these, a bunch of outlets started covering women's basketball via Zoom. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're going, well, you know, we actually get, readership. There's we'll some interest. There's interest. Well, <laughs> How about maybe that? Maybe we should go actually cover it in person. How about that? You know, that? where you get great access. So <laughs> so all these things are kind of combining to make it, to make what we always talk about very obvious. Of course, if you cover it, if you promote it, if you broadcast it, there's a huge market. For Absolutely. It. So we'll get into that more later. Hey, thanks for coming up here doing this, Cheryl. Great talking to you as always. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. If you wandered by and you're uh, looking at us, thank you for coming by. Good to see you. And uh, we'll be back soon to talk about the WNBA draft.